0: Do you play Fortnite or no?
1: For Gretzky had it, lost it. Eiselman picks it up. Eiselman
0: moving. Blue line chance. <laughs> <Score>! Stable zero! <Eisman! laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls. KJ and Zach Mack.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. We are so glad to be back. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the forever wonderful Zach Mack. How are you doing tonight, bud?
0: I'm doing well. That was your most flawless transition from pre-pod prep to intro.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes I like to just jump into it without giving you any warning. (laughs) And and sometimes I actually like to prepare myself to go into an episode. Because I, I want the listeners to at least think I take it seriously. I'm yeah. Kidding. We do. We did, <laughs> what, like 11 minutes of prep before this episode? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's a new record for us. Oh, we got a jam-packed show. Uh, more drama with former coaches. Somehow the Flyers are playing well. Uh, Zach and I are going to remind you about one of the worst parts of current day nhl play and uh, nightly news of course uh let's start at the top mitch marner he's going to be reactivated off the ir i mean the, the Leafs haven't looked perfect since the the transition to sheldon Keefe, but they've definitely looked better and i think adding mitch marner just kind of hopefully propels them towards the top where you would think they belong
0: yeah, I think that, uh, well, as we record, I think that game's going on right now. I'm trying to pull it up, but, um, but I think it started. Uh, I saw a, yeah, it's first period. Um, I saw a gif gif. I don't know how you say it. I don't want to get into an argument right now, but um, I saw a quick gif of Marner, and he looks like he's, uh he didn't miss a beat. Good. I guess to some, maybe that's probably not good, but he looks good out there so far.
1: Good. I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately I want the Leafs this Leafs team to do well. Oh, there's no there's no hockey on my TV because the the National Dog Show apparently. <laughs> has That makes more, sense priorities. Has, yeah, exactly. Uh I I want the Leafs team to do well and if Martner is going to help them, you know, climb back up the standings, then I, that's a good thing. I still don't think that he is this <laughs> superstar that makes them what they are but they clearly needed a little bit more of a, of, uh, a jump on offense so he'll, he'll bring that against a, a good avalanche team that's dealing with some injuries of their own so we'll see but the, I mean the Leafs are coming off a 6-1 slacking by the by the Philadelphia Flyers so this could not come in a more perfect time
0: yeah that was uh <laughs> that was a crazy third period to watch but <clears throat> It's yeah, it's interesting to see, especially with, um, and I know we'll get a little bit uh, Babcock later, but to see Marner out there with no no Babs now, just to see that difference, because you know for everyone else it was just it was a quick turnaround game game game, but for Marner it's like you know he was out during that, so. And and we don't know honestly
1: if Mitch Marner was only as good as he was because he was constantly ranking the players he was on the ice with by who worked (laughs) hardest. So he might he might miss he might be worse now because he doesn't have to do that under Babcock or under Keith. So
0: yeah, I wanna know what other lists like that's the only one we heard of. Maybe maybe Miners ranked like who smells the worst. Maybe someone's just
1: gonna like open a cabinet at the Leaf's facility and like Babcock's burn book is gonna fall (laughs) out of it. I'd love that. Be like he's trying to get like a no facial hair policy, so Austin has to shave his mustache and all the no beanie policy, so the whole team there's there's probably some ridiculous stuff hidden there from Babcock.
0: And all the old time yeah. guys are gonna try and rush it to the Vatican basement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: that's pretty much it for player news. The last of our player news uh revolves around Taylor Hall and the New Look New Jersey Devils who fired uh head coach John Hines after what seemed like an eternity. I mean, they're they're pretty bad. I mean Thank God for the Red Wings, because they'd be even further behind the rest of the league. But this could not have come any later. And it was the right time. He just I don't know if he lost the team. If he wasn't if he was just never a good coach, that the the team was just playing better uh at the at the time that they went to the playoffs. But I mean he was he was not great.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd like to think that he's just not a good coach for humor's sake, but um, yeah, it's you said it, it is the right time. If you look at the humor me for a second, we just wipe out the overtime loss column in this, in the uh the records, and you've only got one, two, three, six teams that are below five hundred. And those teams are Columbus, Chicago, LA, Ottawa, New Jersey, and Detroit. Detroit, Ottawa, LA. Columbus, somewhat Chicago. Maybe we knew weren't going to be great, but New Jersey had a lot of hype around them. And to be like you said, second to last is it, it had to happen, if not sooner.
1: Yeah, I it, it sucks because I mean it's not like I grew up a Jersey fan or anything, but there there are pieces there, in you know I'm not coaching hockey is definitely not easy, and. Being a good person while coaching hockey is apparently one of the hardest things in the world to do. (laughs) And a lot of people, especially Rachel Dory uh, from Stat Tracker, I want to say, she, you know, like a lot of people have great things to say about John Hines and it sucks that he couldn't get this team to where it needed to be because you just look at the roster and I mean yeah, maybe Jack Hughes excluded two, three years ago. This is a really good team you know, with a healthy Corey Schneider who wasn't clearing waivers. It, just so many weird things have happened to this team, and they're not really unexplained,
0: but it just
1: doesn't make sense that they're not better.
0: Yeah, and it's – But they do have
1: 69 goals for so nice.
0: That is nice. As a matter of fact, they just stay there for the rest of the season. Um, they might. <laughs> they might. Um, it, yeah, in John Hines' defense – the roster changed quite a bit over the off season,
1: But you could argue a change for the better.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you mentioned it. Coaching's tough. And so getting used to that, you know, maybe takes a little bit of time. Um, obviously, it took Hines a little bit too much time. And uh, they're not even close to being good. So that probably played into it. I don't want to defend him too much because it was time and he had to go. But um, I could see it being a little tough from his angle.
1: I don't even know if they're close to being bad. I mean, they're putrid. Yeah. It's just looking at these I mean,
0: considering what they have minus, on the roster.
1: Yeah, minus 32, 4-7-4 at home, which is just ridiculous. And they're on another three-game losing streak. But Taylor Hall does say he's all in uh, with Elaine Nasruddin. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, but obviously, there's been a lot of Taylor Hall trade talk. Over the past couple of weeks, because of how bad this team is, and you know, there's a lot of jokes about oh, you got to keep him, you know, until the the draft lottery because he's a guaranteed number one pick in every, uh, and every and all that is is funny. But I think it's really time to think about whether or not I don't know what his contract situation as far as movement clauses, but you got to think Taylor Hall's time in in New Jersey is is not just limited; it's nearing its end.
0: Yeah, and that's I agree with you, which is why his his comments slightly confuse me, and I don't really know if they're. I, I mean, if we read into it, are, is it a shot at a subliminal shot at John Hines, or is it just a a notion toward the organization that hey, this doesn't this doesn't trip me up at all? Like I'm here regardless.
1: I think it's. I mean, to be completely honest, I don't know how sincere it is, at all. But I will say it's probably just one of those things that hockey guys say. I don't think it's a shot, and I don't think it's a I don't think it's something we can look that much into. And he doesn't have a no movement or no trade clause. But I just think he's maybe just saying that for other teams to know, like, hey, I'm still gonna play well. You know, this this isn't on me. So if you're gonna if you're gonna trade for me. You know, to a con- trade me to a contender, I'm I'm ready to play. Like I'm all in, no matter what my situation is. Okay, short of maybe being an oiler again, I can't imagine <laughs> him not going. somewhere. I still think it's the Blues
0: because
1: Tarasenko is not coming back. And I, the Blues, I think can, if I'm looking at everything correctly, like I have on Cat Friendly, it makes the most sense to me that he ends up a, a scoring winger on a team that lost one of the best scoring wingers in the league. It, it makes too much sense, actually.
0: Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. The Blues could use a still younger prime goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: I don't know a single thing about Elaine Nasruddin, but I mean, we're not expecting anything other than just him to make it through the the season, right? I mean, there's his expectation is just see how you do for the rest of the year, and we'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Oh, you can't really... black
1: Blackhawk, Ali Nazraddin. Nice.
0: Oh, interesting. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough to expect that you surpass anything that Craig Baruby did when he came in. So, I mean, that bar is set so high that it's just like, I mean, best case scenario, you become that, but it's already been done. So, I, I can't, I can't imagine expectations are extremely high for this guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he bounced around for two full decades in the, you know, Quebec Major Junior League, the AHL. He played 74 NHL games. He played over in Germany for a few years. And that's really it. It, He's been an assistant coach in Wilkes-Barre Scranton and an assistant coach for the Devils. And now he's head coach for the Devils. So maybe he maybe he's some prodigy that can turn this team around. We'll never, we'll probably never find out. I can't imagine anything comes of this other than you know coach out the last what sixty games of the season, and we'll fifty five games of the season, and we'll we'll figure out what to do with Taylor Hall closer to the deadline. I, yeah, I mean, if you I'm... had to put, if you had to put the house on it. Is Taylor Hall
0: a devil after
1: the trade deadline?
0: Ooh, after the trade deadline. Uh, if I had to put the house on it, then no. No, I, I, I'd I, agree. I think
1: I think he's going somewhere, and you got to think it's to a contending. I mean, obviously, contenders are the one trading for guys like that, but you never know if, you know, Anaheim says, oh, you know what, we need a winger, what they can, you know, Spenford I mean what's or Nashville? You know, I just yeah, I just don't know the cap space for everybody. Yeah,
0: I was going to say what's Philly's cap space? I mean, if they're contending long enough, they might.
1: I, I, don't, I don't. I'm afraid to look because if, <laughs> if they can, if they can do it, it scares me. But, hold on, let me damn for a second. They do not have the cap space.
0: Okay. Thank don't God. have to worry about that then.
1: Thank God. Speaking of Philly, um we're not going to go into it all the way, but since we're ending player news. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Nolan Patrick. Jesus. I want to say Morgan Frost. Nolan Patrick is apparently on the mend for the Flyers. Uh, he said he's been talking to a lot of veterans who are helping him through the recovery process. If you don't know, he's, got a, he's still been dealing with a lot, apparently, of concussion-type migraine syndromes to where it's just like some days he wakes up and can't even get out of bed, can't look at light, anything like that. I guess it's similar to what like Dwayne Wade had when we were younger. Okay. Um, But yeah, that's that's about, I mean, good luck to the Devils. Good luck to any teams trying to get Taylor Hall, but uh, not long for, and kind of makes me feel bad for Jack Hughes. I mean, obviously there's no love loss for me for Jack Hughes, but, now he's he's looking at the future and probably really he's probably gone from really excited for this season to dreading the next twelve years stuck in New Jersey. If I had to guess,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I mean, best case scenario for him is he just continues to develop and maybe the team gets built around him. But
1: gotta score some points, kiddo, to have them uh, build a yeah. team around you. Doesn't yeah. seem like he's. Inclined to do that. Or of course, none of the team seems inclined to do that, so we will never know. Um, let's move on to more coaching. And I really hope that there's just one week where we don't have to talk about this asshole. But Mike Babcock's in the news again because more f- former players are coming out and speaking out against him. Chris Chelios uh, told a story on and Chicklets about Mike Babcock, uh, about Johan. It was about Johan Franzen, which Franzen later corroborated. Right. And basically yeah. said Mike Babcock's the worst person he's ever met.
0: Yeah, I think he said it on the and Chicklets podcast, from what I read. I
1: It's crazy to me. Like, we were joking about Babcock when we were talking about Marner, but it's crazy to me that this went on for so long, and not that nobody didn't – it sounds like a lot of people were reporting issues when they happened, but – we talked about Mike Babcock being moderately overrated for a while in his career. It doesn't make sense that he was so untouchable with all these issues going on, especially around respectable guys like Johan Franzen and Chris Shelley. Steve Eiserman was on that team. Brendan Shannon, like his boss at one point, Brendan Shanahan was on the team where apparently Mike Babcock was just running rampant and was just some abusive clown for most of his career it seems like this is going back a long way yeah
0: go ahead i mean part of it i want to pin back to just the lack of marketability um with the nhl because i I feel like coaches can hide behind that or because like even somebody like you said people have been reporting it people i want to say it's patrick o'sullivan that like mentioned it in a book that he wrote like years ago and people just aren't hearing about yes. it. Yeah. And it's just because, like, the stuff doesn't get marketed. And and I guess coaches – maybe coaches feel like they can hide behind that or they're just using it to hide behind. I, I don't know. But it. Now, I, I share the same sentiment. It's crazy that we're hearing about it now and we never heard about it earlier. Yeah. It,
1: that's a good point because even college coaches outside of Penn State, because I think that's a little more – that's a little deeper than just player abuse. But – Every college coach who is abusing players or locking players in sheds, in Mike Leach's case, case like that comes out within a year or two. It seems like, and and those guys are they're always rehired somewhere, but they're removed from that situation pretty promptly. And hockey doesn't even have close to the same marketability as college football, let alone NFL football. So, yeah, you're right. They they can probably hide behind the fact that not enough people are paying attention to the league as a whole that's a
0: really good point yeah and no? the crazy no. and you you I mean you alluded to it earlier when you mentioned that it's tough to be a good coach and a good guy at the same time uh, a lot of these guys that are you know coming out with these stories most of them are saying you know Babcock was a good coach like he's he just wasn't a good person which honestly, the more and more I hear these stories, the more I just loathe Mike Babcock.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to have any. I mean, even when he was coaching, like yeah, like things are going downhill, but you got to respect what he's been able to do over his career, and that's that's gone. I you just I don't have to respect someone who behaves and treats people the way Mike Babcock does. So everything he ever did on the ice couldn't mean less, and even when. People like Nazem Kadri come out and, and defend Mike Babcock and say he wasn't that bad of a guy or or anything like that. And he, we were also talking about Nazem Kadri when the Don Cherry stuff was happening, and it just maybe maybe Kadri believes what he's saying, but I'll I said it back then and I'll say it today. I think he's just it's a continuation of his role on the ice. He has to be unfazed. By everything that's happening around him and because he's Lebanese people look to him to comment on all of these types of situations yeah and I don't think it's fair one I think that kind of goes back to the hockey culture that we were saying is so damaged is it, yes it's tougher to find any player of color on any of these teams willing to comment on this, but just because one is going to, just because Nazem Kadri wants to talk, I don't think it it means he's going to give you 100% of the truth because he has to be such a tough guy on the ice. He has to seem like nothing bothers him.
0: Yeah, I m- believe that more and more. <laughs> the more I hear Nazem Kadri comment on anything, wasn't Kadri one of the guys that Marner named and then was like... Yeah, Kadri and Bozak were at the bottom
1: of Marner's list.
0: And then he comes... Yeah, it's just odd that he'd be thrown under that bus and then comes back out and says, yeah, you know, Babcock was... He was a good coach, you know. I think his words are, he's a good coach. Sometimes his methods were... Whatever word he used, I don't know. Not right.
1: What does that even mean? Right. like, Like, Kadri is one of those guys on the ice who anytime his manhood is challenged, he gets suspended. So he, he has to, like I said, play this role. And if people think he's going to be affected by what some old dude named Mike Babcock is going to say about him or how he's going to treat him, people are going to prey on, maybe not in today's NHL, but even two, three years ago, you know, you got guys like drew Dowdy who will chirp anything to anybody. And if, People like that back... I don't think it would happen today, especially right now with everything coming out. But, you know, news headline says Nazim Qadri disturbed by Babcock, the way Babcock speaks to him, or Babcock's methods, or something like that. It It's going to be talked about on the ice. And they're going to use that to get under his skin. And I think he'll always live by that notion. I can't let people get under my skin. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which, I guess... I mean, good for you if you can internalize that, but he's gonna need he's gonna need help one day. <laughs> so, I think enough has come out about Babcock to where he's probably done. There's, I mean, he's probably damaged goods to every team in the league.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's to the point, like you said, where you you just nobody's ever gonna like so when you bring up Mike Babcock. No one's gonna list off how many rings he has. Nobody's gonna list off his accomplishments. This is all anyone's ever gonna remember. So I. I, I don't see him having another job as a head coach at least.
1: And I'm pretty sure he only has one ring. You're probably right. But and that's I mean that just it and that goes back to the beginning. I he's yeah, he, he won the, the ring with Detroit. I always think he won that that Stanley Cup final with uh the Ducks, but then I remember they fell apart. I just he did a lot of good things to build teams that needed rebuilding or direction but he wasn't a good enough coach towards the end of his career when the league was changing and we've got all this scoring I don't think his, his philosophy is going to fit even if he wasn't untouchable as he is as he is now like, I just I I don't see any teams dealing with that PR nightmare yeah <sighs> Speaking of nightmares and things that will haunt me, uh Gritty and the Philadelphia Flyers are quite possibly my two least favorite things in the world. And Gritty just won an award for like Sweetest Mascot or something. And the Flyers have won five in a row and look really damn good doing it.
0: Yeah. Um I did not know Gritty won an award. Was that like a across all sports or just NHL? He won like an international
1: Gritty wins. He won best mascot
0: in the NHL. Is there a mascot Hall of Fame? I feel like there needs to be one. There, I hope not. Not that Gritty would be in it, but
1: anyways. He probably but- <laughs> would.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the Flyers, they look good. Uh, Kevin Hayes came out and said, this is the tightest team he's ever played for. So that speaks to at least the chemistry, the camaraderie of the Flyers. They... Actually looked like an NHL team when they played. They smoked the Leafs, which for the most part of last year and the beginning of this year they didn't. So, uh, and they're on a five game win streak. They're they look good. They're they're playing. I mean, Kevin Hayes said it. He said it perfectly because I, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I was watching them play that Leafs game. They just look like they know where each other is on the ice. The chemistry looks just night and day from what it did last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, God, it's hard, it's hard for me to admit that they're playing well and that they're a good team, but they are, and they're proving it. And, you know, they got that goal differential up to over 10, plus 12. They're good at home. They're not terrible on the road. And they're, like I said, five-game win streak. But the thing that I take Salison, they're 6-2-2 two, two in their last 10. The thing that I take Salison is, we see a philly type surge a surge like this from Philly every year, yeah, and as soon as it's over the the three game losing streaks the the six game losing streaks, you know the winning three losing four uh type play comes out from them and I know it's a new coach, and Elaine Vino does things a little differently than a lot of coaches in the league, but I just my inherent bias against Philly and their history tells me not to worry too much about this.
0: Yeah, I mean you're right. It they're pretty much the definition of a roller coaster. I mean even last year we saw them push towards a towards the end of the year push for a wild card spot where they were almost you know trying to sneak in towards the end of the year they didn't get in but it does seem like they it's just peaks and valleys. It
1: it really is and they're I mean they're four points ahead of Carolina for the third spot in the metro. I mean they won 5 in a row and like I said they're 6-2 two, and 2 and they're still a point behind the Islanders and 8 behind the Capitals. So I'm wondering if teams if the team that gets that third spot in the metro whenever it is and because it's going to change throughout the season not that they're going to feel defeated but it's like, all right, we, we, we're comfortable here. We've got to stay here. And they start focusing on the Islanders. Because it's kind of like that, that Boston-Toronto type feeling when Tampa's running away with first in the Atlantic. And you know two and three for two, three years was going to be Boston-Toronto. And they just start getting comfortable. They know they're not catching Tampa Bay. They fit into that spot, and they focus on how to beat each other. And obviously Boston came out on top in those scenarios, but Philly's only one point behind the Islanders, but I feel like teams are going to have to look out for, we just have to, especially as it gets later in the season, we just have to focus on those two, that second and third spot in the division, because I don't think they're going to catch the Capitals. And I don't think it's really worth putting in, I mean, the Islanders have three games in hand, so that's good for them, but, you can't play the same way against the Islanders that you can, the Capitals. And if you're going to play one of them in the first round, you'd rather be the Islanders, but you're going to have to play defensively, be a defensive brand. Cause they don't, they don't give up goals and they, they win games two to one more regularly than probably any other team. I could have looked that up, but I didn't.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's, that's an important thing to pay attention to because if you look at the Metro, I mean, you got Washington at the top. I don't think any, anyone thinks that they're going to fall off. Um, the Islanders are in second. Like you said, they're playing a good D they, they got good goaltending and they're pretty much picking up where they left off last year. So there's no reason to think that they're going to fall off either. And then you've got Philly right now in third and then Carolina and Pittsburgh behind them. And if it, if push comes to shove towards the end of the season and you're fighting for that third spot in the Metro, I would be more inclined to give that competitive edge to the Canes and the Penguins over the Flyers.
1: I I would too. And I think, I think Rod Brindamore right now is a better coach than Elaine Vigneault as far as getting his guys prepared for the games they have to win, and it's it's easy to say that because we haven't seen Elaine Vigneault in the playoffs in recent history. But that Carolina team is also very good, and they you know they haven't been great over the last ten games. Uh, we're six six and four over the last ten, but they've also played. A few more games on the road than at home, so you can always kind of take that into account. Phillies played the exact same. I want, yeah, they played fourteen and fourteen. So once Carolina gets a couple home streaks in here, and it it's really going to be one point between Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Philadelphia for a a good while. But I do expect that Philadelphia drop off to come maybe right after the New Year. That probably sounds right to me. Uh, Yeah, I just I. I think it's Carolina and Pittsburgh battling out for that third spot more than Philly.
0: Yeah, I think so too. The New York Rangers only
1: three points out of a wild card spot and eight points behind Philly. So, I mean, Philly was just eight points behind basically everybody. So, if we're going to you know, give credit where it's due and they've got a couple games in hand, the Metro is shaping up to be a little bit more of a cluster than we thought. Yeah. Even, I mean, because New Jersey we thought would, or at least I thought would be in the mix. Uh, but right now the
0: Rangers are tied with Tampa Bay in the East. Yeah, the East as a whole. I mean, even the Atlantic. You got Florida in second. It's a, and I know, I, one of these days, I promise we won't mention it, but it's G- January is where the, the push starts. And I don't know, I mean, obviously with the Blues last year, but I don't know if it has to do with the, like, teams just like getting through the holidays. And then they just like, all right, we saw our family. We got through the first part of the season. Let's just gung-ho towards the playoffs. And maybe things will start normalizing in the East. I don't know. But it, it does look very weird right now.
1: Yeah, the the five best teams in the league at home are all Eastern Conference teams. And four of them are Metro teams. The Islanders, Flyers, Pittsburgh, and Washington are two through five. Boston hasn't lost in regulation at home yet this season. But – It's gonna I mean if that's any any sort of a sign of things to come the home home ice advantage is going to be so critical in the east, let alone the first round matchup in the metro. Yeah that two and three spot so I mean something to keep an eye on because I mean the Flyers are a hot ticket team only because of that stupid mascot and Carter Hart. But if Carter Hart finds a groove that fall off might come later and later and later in the season. And then I'm talking about the flyers. Like I I have been the Islanders last eight months. Can't believe it's still going. Can't believe it's still going. All right. Probably time to admit they're a good team, (laughs) but
0: we, not till till January,
1: not till January. You're right. Not till January. Uh, You know what happens when uh, you don't score a lot of goals, probably end up in the shootout a few times oh god and i'm not kidding you the shootout is the worst thing in professional sports it it, we saw an influx, and i brought this up to you last week probably in between episodes because it was honestly probably right after we recorded our last episode but we had like three or four in one day and like seven over the course of 22 games. I want to say it was. I mean, what the hell, man! It is so boring. It takes it takes the air out of out of the arena. I feel like like you're only celebrating because your team scored a goal. You're not really enjoying how your team is scoring the goal. It yeah. just sucks.
0: It's it's crazy to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step further over because I hate three on three overtime as well. I three on three overtime and shootout are arcade games to me and it's absolutely ridiculous that it's deciding like we've had over a hundred games going to overtime if i did my math correctly so far this season and the fact that these arcade games are deciding who gets an extra point and there's so many of them that it heck, it makes a difference i it definitely does make a difference i
1: I, I'm just hearing this three-on-three overtime take for the first time. I'm not really sure what to say, but I, I agree with you that it's arcade game type and gimmicky, and there's no there's no doubt about that. I just think right now, oh, oh okay. Before I go into this, do you think the NHL should have ties?
0: I think or- I have a solution.
1: Okay, let's hear it then.
0: I want continuous OT all the time and i want to shorten the season I don't, I don't want 82 games i want give us 50 55 something i don't I, do the math yourself I, i'm not the one that's going to figure out how many games that we need if we're going to do continuous ot and then stop putting 11 games on one day and one the next let's not uh, get rid of back to backs shorten the season do continuous ot that's what i want
1: i just I think that's too, I don't know if I want to say simple, because it, it makes sense. I don't think the league is, has any interest in shortening the season with a new team on the horizon. But continuous overtime is the answer. I just think it's three on three. I, I think aside from being an arcade game, I think it does give us a little bit of a chance to showcase skill. Yes, a team with Connor McDavid has an inherent advantage because of speed because of the the factor that speed plays into 2-3 on 3 overtime. But I mean, you got to play there in the last 3 minutes of over or regulation, you still have to play mistake-free hockey. One mistake still could cost you the game. So if we the 10-minute 3-on-3 overtime, Maybe it's 10 minutes 5 on 5 and then next person to score 3 on 3. Maybe that's the answer but I okay. I don't think continuous 5 on 5 would work because I don't I can't imagine the league shortening the season. But anything that keeps us away from the shootout, I'm in favor of. Maybe not ties. I don't I don't love the idea of ties. But the point system also has something to do with this, I feel, because the last I just mentioned the last three minutes of regulation it's so boring in a tie game yes there are sc- there's always gonna not always but there's gonna be scoring chances that'll you know get you out of your seat a little bit but not not the same way you know a, a scoring chance with eight minutes left in the third period will or a scoring chance in overtime these teams know they're gonna get that loser point I mean St Louis and not to pick on St. Louis. But St. Louis has six overtime or shootout losses. They have six points based on losing. That's insane. I mean, Boston and Washington have five. Philadelphia, five. Arizona, four. Like, and Boston's 0-4 in the shootout, by the way, so they're probably on board with us. It just, it's so stupid to me that that sort of skills competition, I know I just said three-on-three overtime can be, Sort of a skills competition, but in a much different way to me. I mean, let me let me just read, I'll let you go, but let me just read a couple of I'll I'll just the record in the shootout. I'll start with. Washington is three and two, Philadelphia is three and five, Arizona's four and two, Florida is three and three. And everyone else doesn't really matter. New Jersey is one and three. So upwards of six games. Seven games; these teams go into basically an all-star challenge, and are rising or falling in the standings because of it, and still getting a point if they lose. Makes no eight shootouts for Philly. All they have to do is get to get to overtime, and fucking a third of their points basically are coming from games like that. And I'm not picking on Philly because I don't. I'm just saying. In that situation, it applies. It makes no sense
0: to me. And maybe that's why we have high seed playoff teams losing in the first round. Because not only are they getting one point from a shootout loss or an overtime loss, but they're also, maybe they're winning their shootouts and they're getting two points. When, if that was a continuous OT game and they lose, because they're not a generally good five on five team, then they don't get those two points. And they're not in the playoffs, and maybe we're not so shocked the good teams are losing playoff games. So, I, and, and as far as the three-on-three three goes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it as a, as a fan, but where my frustration lies is where if, if you got to play somebody like Colorado in three-on-three three or Edmonton or Boston, where they could, any duo that is going to shred any three guys you put out there just seems unfair to me.
1: Yeah, but I also think there are teams like the Islanders, the Blues, and the the Coyotes I would say where they have superstar goaltending obviously. Even Boston, they play a defensive game where they just wait for one guy on your on, on your 3 on 3 lineup to get too deep and it's a 2 on 1 the other way. Yep. So I I don't think it's as bad as far as speed and stick skills will kill you every single time because I like I'm looking at the you know we talk about the Flyers 3 and 5 in shootouts they have 5 OT loss like oh wow okay that makes more sense but they they just they don't have a speedster and they don't play a super defensive brand of hockey they they play a defensive brand of hockey with a good goaltender for sure but i my thing, and maybe this isn't a solution, but if we threaten the league, the teams with ties get you no points, they just reflect on your record. Like you have wins, you have losses, and you have ties back, like just like back in the old days. And we'd see teams go all out. Maybe it's 10 minutes three on three, 10 minutes five on five, however you want to do it. Uh, and a team gets a power play at any point in that overtime, they're probably pulling the goalie and, and trying to get those two points because it'd be so much more valuable than saying, well, we got one of the two or, you know, like both teams just sitting back like, all right, we can't lose this point. If we, if we get to a tie, you know, there's like that silent nod between fucking forwards, defenseman lines, whatever it is. Like, as long as these teams are getting a point for losing or tying, not that they're getting points for tying now, but it's it's going to diminish and water down the, the hockey we see late in games. Yeah, that's, Especially at this point in the season.
0: That's another solution I like. And I actually wanted to go through, if I have some time uh, tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to go through, I just want to see how the standings would be different if we took every single overtime game that's happened this year and listed them as a tie and gave both teams no points. Ooh. Because... I think the standings would look a little different and I, 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 it would create a lot more excitement, especially towards the end of the season. If you're pushing for a playoff spot, as opposed to let's just get through this, this regulation and we'll try our chances in three on three overtime to get that extra point, get us in the playoffs. You're right. People are going to be pulling the goalie in a tie game. That's exciting. I think.
1: Yeah. The, the playoff scenarios and the magic numbers at the end of the season, where it's like, you know, Winnipeg gets in with a, or a, Winnipeg is eliminated with a Colorado win or overtime slash shootout loss. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. There's, there's more chances for Winnipeg to get eliminated in one game than – that's that's where it becomes – and I feel like maybe this year because it seems like – these seem like really high numbers. I don't have last year's – I standard. know. I almost looked it up too. But it, it, me too. I thought so too. They seem so high and especially – I mean, we know Boston, Washington, and St. Louis are good teams. We know they're good teams, but there's 21, no, I'm sorry, 16 points among them for losing games. It, and that's in <sighs> nine In of those are shootout losses. It's just, it makes it's really frustrating to see this, you know, we were just talking about marketability of the league. And this type of stuff, where every <laughs> excuse me, every single second of a hockey game is exciting and worth watching, as opposed to all right, well, there's three minutes left. You know, I'll just I'll wait till it's it gets to overtime because I know these teams aren't going to take any risks because one point is better than two, or one point is better than none. Which is correct. It just shouldn't be that way in my eyes. Yeah. So, I. I hate shootouts. We hate shootouts. You apparently hate three on three overtime. There's a lot of takes. If you like the shootout, tell us why at Puck Puck Pass Pod on Twitter. Tell us why you like shootouts. I'd be I really would be interested to know. Is it just? I mean, I don't think of this as a benefit, but is it just? It's a guaranteed end to the game. Like you, what? like you, you can predict when. All right, like, all right. If if this is if this shot saved, game over. And then we get those 20-round shootouts that are dreadful.
0: What if we did this? What if we started every game with a shootout? And and then uh, I'm trying to think how this would work logistically. A, okay, you just do a quick shootout, surface the ice, play the game. And then if the game ends in a tie, whoever won the shootout at the beginning wins the game.
1: That, that's then you, got not people a pull, you still got people still pulling your be- goalie. Yeah, you'd still be forcing yeah, you'd still be forcing the hand of one team. I just we we've, we've seen and I didn't think about this when we were talking about three on three overtime, but it is something that happens that slows the game down. Is is I do think there should be a rule in three on three overtime where if you enter the zone, you can't take yes. the puck back over the red line.
0: Yes. Take it
1: outside the, the blue line out of the zone if you want. But you have to stay in that front half in the neutral zone. Or it's a delay of game penalty. I mean, that would surely keep people away from doing that. If it's deflected, if you lose possession and you know you intercept a stretch pass in your own zone, but want to take it back around and regroup, that's fine. But you, we both played the cross. At the end of the game, you once you enter the zone, you don't leave the zone. Yep. It it seems like that should be instituted into three on three overtime if we're gonna make it a permanent thing, which it seems like it's leaning that way. But I do like, I do like that idea too. Um, I have, you know, people would say it probably delay the game a little bit and add like 20 minutes, but I don't know. Take off fighting. That would, that would remove some time for the game, but it, that's, it's actually not a bad idea. The more I think about it, you should write about that. <laughs> Ballyup, bellyupsports.com NHL tab. Go check that yeah. out in a few days. Uh, let's talk about our nights. This is nightly news. It's, we are... haven't had a positive one in a while. No, and this feels like a positive one. Four game yeah. win streak, six three and one in their last ten, three and zero in shootouts. Just figured I'd throw that in there. Uh, they're better on the road as of right now, which is alarming. But I think overall what people expected from a Vegas team when you think about tourism and the amount of hockey fans in Vegas, I think things are looking up for them. I mean, yeah, they are 11 points behind Boston and Washington, but within their own division, things are finally starting to look up and we're getting the production out of uh, the guys that they needed it from still. But, you know, Marchessault with the natural hat trick, which was big for them and you'd assume big for his confidence i mean he he had a hat trick the other day and still only has eight goals on the season so you you'd expect that to pick up yeah the last time we talked about the knights things were looking bleak but we knew they had an opportunity and they didn't really take advantage of it today you're looking at the golden knights and, and what are you thinking as far as where they are now in the next month let's say
0: yeah, so they're 10th overall in the standings right now. Conference-wise, they're 6th in the West and currently sitting, or 3rd in the Pacific. So they got a game or games in hand over everyone except Detroit. They're the only two teams that have played 30 games. Um, but we can take that with a grain of salt for the time being. I Pretty much everything you just said. I, I, I like the direction. I We talked... Last time we talked about Nightly News, how they were coming out East. Um, Rangers, Devils, Islanders. And they pretty much needed a clean sweep of that. They've got the first two done. They play the Islanders tomorrow. Yes. And, yeah, so looking to complete that, that Eastern sweep. But, like you said, coming off wins in Nashville, Arizona. We said they needed to win those games. They did. Um, March so stepping up, which we've been waiting for forever. Stone's been a little bit quiet lately, but... We talked about this team being a team team, so uh, they're the most complete team as we believe it, and that's you can go on these four game win streaks without your number one guy scoring, and that I think as a Vegas fan is what gives you the most hope.
1: Yeah, I, that's really cute, but I was all for them being a team when I didn't have Pat Reddy and Mark Stone on my fantasy team. Now I'd like them for them to pick this shit up because they they need to start scoring for my livelihood. But I think long-term, you are correct. Being, playing as a team the way they are is probably the best thing for them because they have a gauntlet coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, they play the Rangers in Chicago following the Islanders game at St. Louis, at Dallas, home to Vancouver, eh, home to Minnesota, at Vancouver, at San Jose, home to Colorado. That is December 12th through December 23rd. That's uh, going to tell us a lot about the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I, I think if you walk away, speaking of loser points, if you walk away from that stretch, I mean, especially being at St. Louis at the house at Vancouver, at, I mean, at, I mean, San Jose is cl- not c- close, but within the same region you'd say as, as Vegas. So that's not as killer, but if you get, three of the six possible points from those three away games and beat Vancouver and Colorado at home. That's a perfectly executed stretch of hockey to me, especially for them. Um, And then you've got Anaheim twice in the next week and one game home with, with the coyotes, which aren't really killer games. So going into the new year, we could be talking about a Vegas team that has shown us that, They've shaken off whatever was going on early in the season. They're back positive with goal differential. They f- they're they getting a little bit better back of goaltending. Um, but we weren't going to mention Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, his dad, unfortunately, passed away recently, so he's been away from the team. If you've noticed, he's been away from the team and didn't know why. uh Mr. Fleury passed away at 63 years old. So prayers out to Marc Andre Fleury and his family. Um, and I don't say that lightly. But when he comes back, and this team is playing like this offensively, and continuing to continuing to get nine, nineteen, nine, twenty goaltending from Marc Andre Fleury, it's a really, really good team.
0: Yeah, and so we've got 13 games left in December. Uh, which is 26 possible points. Sitting at 34 right now, obviously, if we get all those points, um, that'd be huge, and we'd have 70 points. But how many of those 26 points do you think – or, sorry, 60 points. uh, How many of those 26 points do we need to feel good going into the new calendar year? Uh, 16, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, I I was going to say, like, 17, 16, 17, so –
1: I think I think anything over five hundred at that point is good even if you're you know even if you're talking fourteen and twelve or four fourteen out of the twenty six points you're you're still in a good spot and I can't imagine I mean Vancouver hasn't been great over the last ten games but we still know that team has some firepower uh in San Jose was nine and one over the last ten now they're you know seven and three which still isn't bad but I mean, they're constantly rotating. God, Mark Edward Vlasic is one of the worst defense or defensive players in the entire league. He's got one, he's got the worst, if not one of the worst, expected goals against while he's on the ice. And Evander Kane keeps getting suspended. And while we don't love Evander Kane, he can still produce a little bit. So if these guys can't stay on the ice and continue to pull whatever magic out of the hat that they were over that ten game stretch. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry too much about the the sharks if you're Vegas.
0: Yeah, and I think that. Um, well, with that being arrived, it's kind of shocking that that uh, they, that that'll be the last time they meet. So all four of those meetings will be done before the new year. Um, but yeah, seven of these games are seven of these thirteen games are home. Six are away. So maybe we put a little bit more heavy expectations. expecting to get you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, but I, I didn't I know think- that
1: was true. and That really sucks. That they don't play the Sharks after the new year.
0: Yeah, because they started out back-to-back against them, and then they yeah. recently, the Sharks recently won, and then, yeah, this will be it. That sucks. But, I yeah, so. I mean,
1: at least they won't have to worry about losing any points to the Sharks because, as of now, they are close together. So you bring up a good point. That's some worth uh, keeping. Your- oh, Nicholas Backstrom. As we record this podcast, Nicholas Backstrom has f- gone from day-to-day to out again. God. My fantasy team is having the worst luck I've ever seen. But the Golden Knights are having better luck, and I think that's, that's the important takeaway out of this nightly news. Uh, things are finally looking up. I'm finally smiling after a nightly news segment.
0: Yeah, it's a good feeling.
1: Look, look at us. Who, who would have thought that that meme is forever ingrained in my head? <laughs> Nami. me, not me. <laughs> did, we, uh, did we miss anything?
0: What did we miss? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we missed anything.
1: Is anybody... No, nobody's really sticking out. I mean, Boston's on an eight-game win streak. That team is unbelievable, but I still think Washington is better for seven games. And uh, Pasternak's looking pretty, pretty good. Since we last recorded, he scored like 10 more goals.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it's it's just ridiculous watching him. Um, I mean, the Jets are back up there at the top. Top eight in the league, seven and three over the last ten. They were kind of stinking it up for a while. So, but other than that, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think. Oh, any... oh,
1: Boston's third jersey. I want to ask you about this. Oh, the B, the, the B. What do you think about that? I, I, I kind of like them. Honestly, I do too. And I'm not thrilled with myself that I feel that way, but it it's so simple, and I I do like black and gold it's a pretty good look.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think anything will ever take away from their, their original logo, the logo that their, their, their main logo. Um, I think it's one of the coolest logos ever. It makes for the coolest center ice, I think, but
1: makes for a sweet tattoo too. If you're dumb enough to bet a tattoo on a series. <laughs> oh God. I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't because it stares at me every time I do anything, basically. um, We're back to two episodes a week. We thank you guys for being patient with us. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and you enjoyed what we were thankful for last week. Uh, Hopefully we can transition out of talking about all the shitty things that are happening in hockey culture. Um, But I mentioned it in the last episode, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. We have to talk about these issues as much as it sucks. It's like giving your kids the birds and the bees talk. You have to do it and you just hope they... They they take the information the way you're you're hoping they do. Uh, Mike Babcock is a piece of shit. And Bill Peters is even worse. So, yeah. and we just we had to talk about it.
0: But hey, if you if you take anything away, that's what we want you yeah. to take away. <laughs> uh,
1: the yeah the puck puck pass uh, knowledge of the week. I guess <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be back later this week with more segments, uh, more. Hopefully, fun and interactive topics. But we appreciate all the interaction on Twitter. Cody Glass for Calder, by the way. Can't forget that hashtag Glass for Calder. Um, his vision, by the way. I'm not going to close out nightly news without talking about the vision on that pass the other. Oh, day. Yeah, the vision and the
0: pass were just incredible.
1: He is a very good player with the puck in his hands. Uh, glad to be back in the recording studio with you, man. Uh, Maria, yeah. thank you for all your help and getting this coordinated to get. Get us back in here for uh, for Maria for at Belly Up Zach Mack. I'm at Belly Up KJ. This was at Puck Puck Pass Pod. We appreciate you guys sticking around. We thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later this week.
0: The shootout. We saw no light. We saw no signal. We- Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at Belly Up and at pup, pup, pass, pop.